on iHeartRadio. WXDXFM, Pittsburgh. Absolutely humiliated on Saturday night by Penn State with no Vaseline. Yikes. That second half was a 30-minute reminder that Pitt football has made absolutely zero progress under Pat Narduzzi, the coach. Pitt is just 22-18 since Narduzzi took over. Barely over 500. And for every upset win, there's a loss to a crap team or an embarrassing route like a sold-out Heinz Field witness two days ago. Last year, okay, Pitt beat Miami when Miami was 10-0. Pitt also lost three times to football teams that didn't make a bowl. There's a phrase in Texas for people like Pat Narduzzi, all hat, no cattle. He speaks loudly and forcefully like when he guaranteed Pitt would be in the ACC championship game, but Narduzzi doesn't deliver. I could go over some of his ramshackle coaching decisions on Saturday, like not kicking on fourth and three to take a lead, or taking a flag himself for unsportsmanlike conduct, or running the ball 52 times and passing at just 18, or his players not even knowing what to do when they win the coin toss. But it all adds up to this. Narduzzi doesn't deliver. James Franklin, Penn State's coach, he definitely ran the score up. Because given the chance, one blowhard is always going to embarrass another blowhard. Narduzzi's not going anywhere, though. He's signed through 2024. It's like the Clint Hurdle situation, only much worse. Pitt fired Dave Wanstead back in 2010. None of his successors have had a better winning percentage. And that is all the people need to know. Believe me, Narduzzi's a jerk up. I tell you no lie, yeah. Barry's Wear Boots brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. By the way, the holder screwed up for Pitt on Saturday. The punter slash holder, he just kept screwing up. I do give Narduzzi credit. He said today at his news conference, he didn't know who would be holding on Saturday when Pitt plays again, but it won't be that guy. Anyway, the first string holder got hurt in a fight. That's why he wasn't holding. Uh, Pitt had 14 penalties and three turnovers. Just very, very sloppy. 412-333-9939. I don't know what to say about the way Ben played. Made five turnovers. I thought he tried to extend the play a little long sometimes. I thought his throws were all over the place. Uh, part of that is probably because he didn't play much in the preseason, but that is not a sufficient excuse when you're playing Cleveland and you're ahead by 14 in the fourth quarter. Uh, we're talking about James Conner as well. People don't like hearing this, but the fumble lost the game. The fumble lost the game. He had a great performance, great stats otherwise. James Conner's fumble lost the game. Uh, 
I'm really down on the Steelers' offensive line. They did the blah, blah, blah Wednesday about Lev Bell, but then they soiled the bed yesterday. Miles Garrett dominated Villanueva. Marcus Gilbert committed three penalties. Ponce made a bad snap. That offensive line is overrated. We think it's good because Ben always tells us, and good for Ben, he should do that for his guys. But I think that offensive line is overrated, and I thought that showed yesterday. The defense wasn't terrible, but it let the Browns go 57 yards in two plays when it could be a Ford at least. And like always, the Steelers lacked focus and discipline. Six turnovers, 12 penalties. How about when two touchdowns got called back because of penalties? on consecutive plays, and then the Steelers scored on the third play, and it counted, so that foolishness kind of got lost in the shuffle. Artie Burns acting like a horse's ass. It's another example of a Tomlin team underperforming and being undisciplined and unfocused against a crap opponent. The only thing I can truly look at from yesterday's Steeler game and say, okay, this was great, was T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt was fantastic. 11 tackles, 4 sacks, 3 hurries, blocked the field goal. T.J. Watt was fantastic. He stood out on a day of amazing defensive performances uh, like Miles Garrett for Cleveland. And boy, I'm blanking on the name. The guy who went from, oh, Khalil Mack, who went from Oakland to Chicago and dominated, although not enough because Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Then he came back in, he threw off one leg, and he won the game. Although when a, I'm going to tell you my particular prejudice here. And it's against a white man, so I can be prejudiced. Whenever a guy gets carted off and comes back and plays like that, I wonder if he needed carted off in the first place. I just wonder if he needed carted off in the first place. Sure did make for a good story, though. Let's go to Nick in the car. Nick, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mark. You brought up two good points. One was, do we win with Lev Bell? And two, if Lev Bell comes back, do you put him in? I don't think we win with Lev Bell just for the fact of what he's done in the past in the first couple games. Um, But I definitely do think we put Lev Bell in just because of the quality running back that he is and what he can do. Now, it is hypocritical because how uh, how great of shape is he in? Is he going to be... Able to perform like you normally. Well, does, right, but he won't. He the... won't get into game shape without playing. Exactly. So, so that if, would be if, my if, only if you bring, if Bell... stop talking. I'm sorry. Stop talking. If Bell comes back, and you don't put him in, and you let Connor start, then you're hindering his progress to being on top of his game, which you definitely need before season's end. Agreed. Let's go to Dave in the car. Dave, you're on with Double M. How you doing, Double M? Great. Hey, uh, I know what you said about Connor's fumble cost in the game, and it certainly didn't help. But how can Ben have five turnovers and Connor one, and his was the one that cost the game? Because it cost him the game. If he doesn't <laughs> fumble that ball, they win the game. Well, but what about all his interceptions? Just because they're in okay, a first, I'm going to go really slowly here. Okay, really slowly. If he doesn't fumble that ball, they win the game. Period. And if Ben doesn't throw three picks, they win the game. If you want to boil it down to one moment, and, and bro, I have said all show that Ben played a lousy game. This is just you wanting to pile on to the guy because he did play a lousy game. In other words, I said he played like crap and it's not enough. Isn't that right? 
It's not enough. Well, he, it's he not played enough. like crap, but he didn't cost us the game. No, I Connor guess. cost him the game by fumbling <laughs> hey. that ball. Of course he did. Look at the timeline. Look at the play-by-play sheets. If he doesn't fumble the ball, they win the game. That's where the game turned. <laughs> it turned when they didn't score points in the first half. They could have been up by 20 look, points. Look, I, I know Connor beat cancer and he played for Pitt, and we all love him, but that fumble lost the game. Live with it. I mean, I don't know what you say to that. You know, you're so determined to blame Ben and smooch Connor that you're you're ignoring facts. And if you look at the timeline of the game, the play-by-play sheets, the game turned when Connor fumbled. If Connor doesn't fumble, the Steelers win the game. And that's not blaming Connor. That's blaming the fumble. That's noting with accuracy where the game turned bad. I, I have said on this show today, Ten times that Ben played bad made five turnovers. But the turnover that killed him was Connors. Let's go to uh, Justin Cranberry. Justin, you're on the Mark Madden hey, Show. Yeah, what do you want? Hope you're feeling feel better. Uh, I hope I so, too. Feel. Thank you. Uh, I agree with you on Connor. It kind of changed. He played a great game, and that's not to absolve Ben, but that's where the that's all the momentum change. Nobody's absolving Ben. Nobody's saying Connor didn't have a tremendous game except for that moment. That moment lost the game. Agree. The other one, the other point I want to bring up is Sean Davis also took his helmet off, but he wasn't flagged. It's just the total lack of discipline. Like they need to grow up. Know. They need to grow up. But you know why they won't grow up? Because nobody's demanding they grow up. I agree. Tomlin doesn't care at all about that. He doesn't care at all about discipline or focus. He wants the players to... I don't want to say be his friend, but he just can't be bothered with discipline. And it shows because they're not disciplined. Let me ask you this. What Artie Burns did, where he whipped off his helmet, can you imagine a New England Patriot doing that? Absolutely not, but that was after he fought with the guy, too. Yeah, but sometimes sometimes stuff like that happens. I'm talking about, well, Patriots Patriots get penalties for that sometimes, too. I'm talking about whipping off the helmet. And if a Patriot did whip off the helmet, would he go right back in the game? No. Burns came out for one play. That's it. That's the list. Let's take one more quick one. Anthony and Johnstown. Anthony, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark, I was just calling here. I just wanted to say a couple things. You know, the team lost as a whole yesterday. Um, you know, the weather was absolutely terrible. That had a lot to do with it. Bro, but you should be able, you should be able to play Cleveland in the middle of the dawning of a new ice age and hold a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. F the weather. Absolutely, Mark. No doubt about that. They should. But I don't think Cleveland's going to be quite a team to miss with like they have been in the last few years. Yeah, I think they will be. They stunk. They absolutely stunk. The Steelers kept them in the game. The Steelers stunk as bad as they did. Like Williamson said, if you look at all 32 teams and their performances this uh, weekend, with four teams, of course, yet to play tonight, the performances of Cleveland and Pittsburgh will rank bottom five in the entire league. Up next, going to keep talking Steelers with the senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports, Therese Paler, coming up next on 105.9. Supply. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, huge fan. You're talking to the super genius. No doubt, Double M. Hey, Mark, who's the best onion ring? Ooh. The X at 105.9. Steelers tie Cleveland, 21-21. That's the fourth time under Mike Tomlin the Steelers have blown a lead of 10 or more points and not one. Joining me now to discuss further, 
He is the senior NFL writer from Yahoo Sports. He is Therese Paler. Uh, Therese, did the Steelers win yesterday if they have Le'Veon Bell? Because James Conner did do pretty well. Yeah, I'm not sure that that necessarily fixes things. I think the Steelers' biggest problem is that they were sloppy. Um, you know, they, it's amazing they didn't lose the game, to be honest. You can't you know, turn the ball over six times. It's actually kind of encouraging that they didn't lose the game despite that. Uh, look, James Conner's a good football player. I think we saw that in week one. That's what my column was about, you know, taking a closer look at that guy. And he ran with a lot of gusto and a lot of ooms. He's really, he's really good at, like, the power running plays that the Steelers are good at running. Um, and I think the guys in front of him were really blocking their tails off for him. So, you know, from my point of view, I think he's somebody that could be in line for a big season if Le'Veon Bell holds out um, beyond a few more weeks. Well, uh, let's stay with Connor Therese. What did you like in particular about his game? Uh, you're right about the power running, but I think we knew that. I was a bit surprised by his acceleration through holes, especially on a wet field. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I wrote about that, too. It's not just the power running at all, but he's a six one, two hundred thirty three pound guy. Looks like he slimmed down this off season. I've been following James Conner for a while. You know, I, I always liked the game he's back at Pitt. So, you know, he looks a little thinner than he used to be. And he looks really kinda like on a one cut style, very, very quick going forward. There was burst there, right? And there was some elusiveness even in the open field. I'm like, okay, James Conner. And of course he ran hard and that kind of thing. But the thing I also really liked, he caught the ball. Now up until his last year at Pitt, you know, he didn't really catch the ball that much, but he caught it 21, 21 times as a senior at Pitt. Not that much, all things considered, but he caught five passes for 57 yards yesterday. And if you're going to re- replace or be tasked with replacing Le'Veon Bell, you got to be able to do some Le'Veon things. And that includes winning in the pass game. And if James Conner can do that based on some of the run stuff we saw yesterday, I think he's going to be just fine for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the one bad note is, and, and, and Therese, I felt bad because it kind of uh, put a black yeah. mark on Connor's day, was if he doesn't fumble, the Steelers win. Yeah, I know. I know. And that's the thing, right? Um, ideal. That's definitely not ideal. Um, and you kind of hope that doesn't become a thing. Because that's the one thing that could kind of get in the way of him kind of really carving out a nice role for himself, is him fumbling. Um, don't think he has really a reputation for that, though. But if it did develop into something – you know, lever- the, the leverage goes back to Le'Veon. But if James, <laughs> but if James Conner continues to play like that, and most importantly, those guys up front continue to block for him, um, you know, I think the leverage kind of goes back to the Steelers because all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, we got a guy." And then I'll also say this, Mark. You know, one thing that keeps in mind is that last year Le'Veon Bell had 321 carries. Number two guy for the Steelers only had 32, and that was Conner. If Conner continues to perform well. He's, since he's been there all off season through the summer and preseason camp, even when Bell comes back, he's not going to get that ten to one ratio of carries anymore, and that's something that could eventually hurt, um, you know, his stock in free agency next year because he's still got to prove he's Le'Veon Bell, and he needs a certain amount of carries to do that. Yeah, by the same token, the reason he's not currently with the Steelers is because he wants to limit his carries and not get get worn out. Now, uh, what, what's your best guess, Therese? Because we all have one. I don't think he's going to come back till the midway point of the season. What's your call? There's a bye week in October that will make a whole lot of sense. That'll give you a couple of weeks to kind of get your feet under you, right? But you've also made your point by then. And also, that's a pretty nice way to make sure you don't approach 400 touches. You know, I think something in the neighborhood about 300 is what he'll need to get paid. You know what I mean? And the reason I said it at that is because he's going to need some time to get, like, in the football hitting shape. You know, he really kind of dialed 
dialed it up once he started playing last year after skipping all the camps. So there's going to be that ramp-up period again. And during that ramp-up period, whenever it happens, you know, James Conner's not going to just be phased out unless he starts fumbling. So I think it's going to be a fascinating situation. Um, and look, man, Le'Veon Bell's a great player. He's an elite player. He will play when he comes back. But how much he plays totally comes down to how well James Conner does. Now, Therese, you mentioned how well the Steelers' offensive line blocked for James Conner, and I agree with that. But in pass defense, it got manhandled. It was kind of good at one thing, but not very good at the other. Yeah, and that's a surprise because as somebody who's been, I mean, I've seen a lot of the Steelers over the years, you know, before I got promoted, uh, before I took this job at Yahoo as a national writer, I spent five years as a beat writer with the Kansas City Chiefs. And trust me, I've seen enough of the Steelers, okay? Um, that was a surprise. I, you know, the offensive line the Steelers have. Pretty good, you know, actually really good. And one thing I will tell you, maybe doesn't make you feel better, you know, it's not like Cleveland doesn't have any talent. They've been so bad for so long, they have some talent. You know, no one's going to block Miles Garrett this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I, I think that they're going to get it together. You know, one thing to keep in mind with offensive lines is that because you can't drill the same way in preseason camp, you know, teams don't really get in, like, ideal pass blocking form until October or like November, it just takes even longer for offensive lines to kind of gel and mesh, even when they've played together as long as yours has. So, you know, not, not nothing really to, you know, really kind of freak out about yet. I know that doesn't, like, make Steelers fans feel better. You guys have been so good for so long. I get it. But, you know, the fact you didn't lose last night says a lot about Cleveland, but also says a lot about you guys, too. Yeah, maybe. I'm curious to see what happens against Kansas City, though, because Mahomes looked great yesterday at L.A., and uh, they can score points. This could be a, a 50-45 shootout on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they can score points, but they're not going to stop the Steelers. I mean, there's no way. No way they're stopping that offense, even with James Conner. So, it's going to be a shootout. There's going to be a lot of points put up. Steelers fans need to get ready. Mahomes is the real deal. You need to get ready to see him do some things you don't typically see quarterbacks do. You know, he avoids trouble. He throws flat-footed, absolute ropes. He eludes pressure throws across his body, 50 yards downfield, stuff like that. And he's also got this tendency to – he throws passes that look like they're going to get intercepted, but they just don't that much. Um, now watch him go out and throw three picks. But, you know, I, I think for Steelers fans, you will enjoy watching this Mahomes kid play. And more importantly, you'll watch him throw to an elite weapon in Tyreek Hill. Like Tyreek Hill is officially elite. He's about 5'9", but he is the fastest man in the NFL and he's going to be a real big problem for the Steelers to cover. So big test for the Steelers' defense for sure, but I think they're going to score points. We're talking to Therese Paler, senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports. Now, what about the Steelers quarterback, Big Ben, with five turnovers? He's starting slow yeah. again. And why has Big Ben struggled on the road for years, Therese? That's one of those things there's just no real good explanation for, is there? It's not. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those situations where you got the natural – Natural things that happen on the road. You got the noise, it's an unfamiliar environment, that kind of thing. But he's a veteran, so I don't know how much that really matters. You know, it just comes down to how he's playing. And he's got, look, Mike Tomlin said this about Ben Roethlisberger in one of those America's Games episodes, which I watch religiously because I love football. It's, you know, gunslingers get shot, gunfighters get shot sometimes. He's going to sit in there, he's going to hold the pocket, he's going to try to make every play. When he was younger, that was great. Right, his his instincts and his awareness is at peak level because he's a young guy. As he gets old, he's not going to change the way he plays. But older quarterbacks, their eye level tends to drop a little bit, um, and they're not quite as reactive as they used to be. I'm not 
saying that Ben Roethlisberger is not a good quarterback because he very clearly is. But you know, when you play the way he does, and you take the number of hits he has, and you know, you've kind of taken some of those shots. Like you're gonna have games like yesterday's where you know they're getting after you a little bit, and you just keep trying to make plays, and like you just you reach into the holster and it's not there. But the good news for Steelers fans that I think it's gonna be there <laughs> coming up soon because I again I, I don't see how this Chiefs defense. This defense gave a 424 passing yards to Phillip Rivers. It was great and all, but, you know, I, there, there is no It's a lot of yards. For, it's a lot of yards, Therese. No, hey, look, there's no answer here for Antonio Brown or Juju Smith-Schuster. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I, I expect that the Steelers will get their share and then some. Uh, now, yeah. you touched on this before. The Steelers were sloppy. They took 12 penalties, committed six turnovers, and that happens more often than it should with an elite team, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, it comes down to the discipline of the team a lot of times, the discipline of the players. Um, I'm not really here to, like, I'm not going to be the one to criticize Mike Tomlin, though. I think Mike Tomlin, Tomlin's a really good coach in a town where you guys are just so used to winning. Like, you kind of know. I'll just be honest. I don't think you realize how good you had it. Like, I grew up in Detroit, man. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I grew up watching Wayne Foss. Well, well, well Therese, that's the other extreme. No, but here's the thing, though. That, it's like that. Most places in the NFL, you guys are just so used to winning. I mean, the concept of three coaches in the last, like, 40 years, I mean, you know, that's crazy. That's different. Like, I, some of Tomlin's success has to do with, like, the infrastructure of the Steelers, but also it has to do with the fact that he can reach these guys, and he is a good coach. Um, there are too many penalties. They need to clean that up. You know, he doesn't really do excuses, and he's right. Like, that, if, if it doesn't get fixed, right, that's on the head coach. But, you know, as far as, you know, me saying that that's something that's going to continue. I don't know. I, I say give Tomlin a chance. Well, no, I think he's had a chance. I just think that every year, Therese, I mean, they, every yeah. year they lose games they shouldn't. And last year they went thirteen and three. But if you win in Chicago, you get home field I mean, for the whole playoff. I mean, one loss you shouldn't can be crucial, as you know. No, I, hey man, I get it, man. Like, also understand the fact like you've seen this guy so much over the last what ten years or whatever, like. Right. You, like, it's hard not to, like, be critical to stuff that you know has been negative, right? But I also think it's important to have, like, some perspective. And I, I actually don't mean this toward you. I mean toward fans in general. Oh, no, no, no. In general, I, I, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I, I just want you to know, like, you, you went 13-3 and three last year. Like, that's hard. Like, I'm not going to sit up here and, like, question because the one game you game on 14 you should have won. Like, it's really hard going 13-3. and three. It's hard going 10-6. and six. Um, But, look. There's a standard. Yeah, but you should still beat Jacksonville right? at home in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, but Jacksonville might have a, like a historic defense. <laughs> yeah, maybe, Their maybe. This is going to be amazing. You know what I mean? Uh, you know what? You know what? Okay. If you lose to Blake Bortles at home, fine. Okay. You know what? Okay. I can't even – I'm not even going to sit up here and defend that, man. But what I will say is this. Funny things do happen in football. I mean, l- let me give you this, all right? Ten years ago – if somebody could have said to you, would Eli Manning beat Tom Brady in two Super Bowls? Oh, no how kidding. Much would you, how much would you have bet that would never happen? You uh, know what I mean? You got me there. It's football. <laughs> it's football. Weird stuff happens. At the same time, the Steelers fans are mad because you had to watch Blake Bortles walk up in the Heinz Field and win. I don't even blame you. I'm just saying it's still important to have some perspective. Tom is a good coach. Like 90% of the teams would love to have him. Before we let you go, Therese, uh, I thought the most impressive steal yesterday was was T.J. Watt. I mean, we talk about how good Miles Garrett played, but Watt might have played better. Four sacks, 11 tackles, 
blocked that field yeah. goal. He's in his second year. Can he be a dominant player in this league? Dominant. You know what? It's so tough to be like the younger sibling of like a historic player. Like I'd have to go. You might have given me a column idea, and I think about it. But like I'd have to go back and say, like, how many younger brothers have gone on to be as dominant as their like famous older brothers, right? In the same sport, in the same league. Um, because of that history, and off the top of my head, I just don't think it's very, very. Um, I don't think it's very. I don't think it's happened much. I would say dominant, eh, probably not. But like a very good player, like a Pro Bowl player, possibly. I love the motor. You know, he's technically sound. He gets after it. He's a football player. He's a stealer. And he's somebody that I'm sure Steelers fans love rooting for because that guy embodies a lot of things you want to see in a guy wearing your colors. Therese, great stuff. I really appreciate you taking the time. We'll do it again, I hope. Yeah, anytime, man. You ask great questions. Call me whenever. <laughs> That's Therese Baylor, senior NFL writer for Yahoo.com. Great stuff from him. A bit of the Stephen A. Smith about Therese, and I mean that in a good way. Slava Medvedenko. 1059X. X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, how you doing? We're all going to rock to the rules I make. Double M, big fan. How you like it now, bitch? The X at 105.9. One thing about dopes who listen to talk radio, like yourselves, is that there are certain things you just don't want to believe, so you don't believe them and you yell out fake news. For example, I've talked all day about how sloppy the Steelers are, how undisciplined and unfocused, 12 penalties, 6 turnovers, but nobody wants to talk about that because that's a consistent factor in the Steelers' underachieving that many of you just don't seem to want to stare down. I've also talked about the Connor fumble being the turning point to the game. If Connor doesn't fumble, they don't lose the game. When Connor fumbled, it was midway through the final quarter, and the Steelers led 21 to 7. If Connor doesn't fumble there, the Steelers win. I can't attribute that certainty to any of the other turnovers the Steelers made. But if Connor doesn't fumble there, the Steelers win. That's not blaming Connor for the loss. That's not saying that he didn't play a great game because he did. But it's accurately pointing out that that moment, that fumble, was a turning point in the game and led to the Cleveland Browns tying. No question. But you don't want to understand that because he's the cancer kid, he's the pit kid, he's such the hero, it's easier to blame Ben. And I have blamed Ben. To quote myself at least twice today, First and foremost, Ben was awful. But that's not enough. You want me to say he sucked, he's on the downside of his career, he shouldn't start anymore. That's what you want me to say. You might not even agree with that, but that's what you want me to say. Okay? No dice. Ben's the only thing keeping that team from being below 500. And even though he went a long way toward losing the game yesterday, he's the only thing keeping that team from being below 500. James Conner played great. That fumble lost the game. And if you can't accept that, well, then you're more fanboy than analyst. Point to any one of Ben's turnovers and tell me which one lost the game. Tell me which one resulted in the giant momentum swing that the Conner fumble provided Cleveland. 
Call up and tell me, 412-333-WXDX. T.J. Watt was great. If the Steelers win, that's the story of the game. If the Steelers win, we wouldn't even realize how horse manure they were because we'd be too busy talking about how T.J. Watt won the game. Of course, then again, he couldn't have blocked that field goal at the end if Connor hadn't fumbled. So Connor made T.J. Watt an even bigger hero. Let's go to Special Ed downtown. Yay, Special Ed, yay! Yay, yeah, you're on the X, yay! Yay! Hey, Mark, um, it, 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 does it appear to you that as time goes on, the lack of discipline continues to get worse? The Steelers, you know, the, they have all the talent in the world. You know, they, they got the best receiver, the best quarterback. Okay, that's great. But that... that issue with penalties is a coaching problem. Does anyone sit Mike Tomlin down and say, look, this is unacceptable. you got to get a handle on this. It just seems to go get worse and worse as time does, goes on. Does Mike Tomlin sit the players down and say that? No. No, no he, he absolutely does not. No, Art's not well, going to do that. It's not going to get any better. I know. I know. It's, Which is why they're not going to win. And what you need when there's no structure when the format, when the coach doesn't provide the necessary discipline, you need the locker room to provide it. That's not happened either. And you need individual players to just adopt that discipline on their own by way of will to succeed. And not enough of the Steelers have done that. Artie Burns is a case in point. Artie Burns is a first-round pick, a legitimate first-round talent. He shows flashes of brilliance, but he shows moments of madness too. And that deal yesterday where he got tangled up with Jarvis Landry, and then whipped off his helmet and took the penalty. Uh, took took two 15-yarders, as a matter of fact, but uh, they could only assess one at a given time. But that goes to show why he's not the player he should be, and they need him to be. I, I, I agree. And that lack of discipline, it, it's contagious. And, you know, if, if you look at this as a whole... Again, I'm being redundant. It's not going to get any better. That Cleveland Browns team is the worst team in the NFL. What happens whenever they start playing teams that are really good football teams? You think that they're going to get a W playing a game that way? It's horrible. I think they're going to lose to I think they're going to lose to Kansas City. I agree. I agree. Kansas City is a better than average football team. So, well, they're uh, a crap. They're a crap defense, but they're. Their offense is pretty darn good. Well, not only that, the Steelers only scored 21 points on Cleveland. <laughs> there you have it. But it was raining. It was raining. It won't uh, be raining Sunday. But what on. if it is? Re- Let's go to Wes in the car. Wes, you're on with Double M. Hey, hey how you doing? I'd argue that Ben's uh, fumble that ended up on the goal line would be a bigger turning point than Connors. What fumble that ended up on the goal line? The fumble that Ben had that taken back to the goal line? Connor fumbled that. The one they returned to the goal line, that was Connor. Was it? Yeah. Thank you for proving my point. Good job. Ben fumbled uh, on the next possession, but the defense held and forced the punt. Then the Steelers punted, and Cleveland went uh, 57 yards in two plays after that to tie the game. Let's go to Jordan in the car. Jordan, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, is it possible that uh, the reason Ben Roethlisberger stinks on the road and is good at home is because he's so comfortable playing at Heinz Field now that he actually uses uh, his surroundings almost as reference points to help him with mid-range and deep ball accuracy? 
That's an interesting theory. I've never heard that before. Uh, put it this way. I can't explain why he plays poorly on the road. For how many years now? I can't explain it. I can't imagine why. That beats me. <laughs> Your explanation's as good as any, though. Let's just go with that. Let's go to Dave and Castle Shannon. Dave, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. What's up? Um, first of all, I totally agree with you in every aspect of the game. It, it, it was it was a very poor performance. <laughs> but my 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 question is: the preseason has become a big joke. The players don't get any rapport in game time with. Like, Ben's not playing with Antonio. He's not playing with, well. I, I know, but I think that I think that basically is, is true throughout the league. I don't know if many of the the star players play. I think some of the first stringers do that, you know, are a little below the line as right. first stringers go, but the star players don't play. Brady played, like, with a whole half for New England, and people acted like, you know, he, he ran a marathon because that yeah, was so well, unusual. Well, I know, and and, and that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, should – should they cut the preseason down like they suggested the two games and then play? I would rather see two more games. Uh, let me tell football. you something. If 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 they cut the preseason down, Ben wouldn't play anymore in the in the remaining preseason games. Well, th- then then that's fine. And then the first two games of the season. One thing you got to under- be- bro, bro, listen to me. One thing you've got to understand about the Steelers, and you should by now, really. They're just going to do things the way they do things. They won't change them. And you can't argue with that because their way has been pretty successful over the long haul. But they don't want to put their star players at risk in exhibition games. And if the star players start out slow, which Ben did last year too, let's not forget, as well as Lev Bell, they're not going to change their policy based on that. They do what they do. Let's take, oh, we hung up. Let's not take one more then. Let's talk to Bob McLaughlin next. Here, let's, you know, Josh Gordon started yesterday, and Hugh Jackson, their coach, said it was a mistake and a miscommunication with Todd Haley. How do you confuse who you're going to start? How is that possible? Then again, with Pitt, the captains made the wrong decision after they won the coin toss. If there's a course at Pitt called Communication 101, the football coach would flunk it. Interesting tweet from Aditi Kikabwala from the NFL Network and NFL.com. Uh, she's very good, by the way. Of Steelers running back James Connors, 31 rushes, 16 came when the Browns had eight defenders in the box. He averaged 5.1 yards on those 16 carries. That's amazing. It doesn't pick up that fumble. Talk to Bob McLaughlin X, 105.9. Tales U.S. only. You for making my day. Yeah, what you said. The X at 105.9. About 15 minutes ago, Juju Smith-Schuster posted a video. And the tweet says, Call of Duty fans, are you ready to take on the GOATs? Catch me on a Black Ops beta live stream this Friday. Let's go. Hashtag Black Ops 4. Hashtag Call of Duty partner. And the video shows him picking a goat up, like a little goat. I wish I had a pet goat. And so I retweeted it by saying, it's important to get your mind off a disappointing tie, I guess, and I encourage all my listeners to participate in this. 
Hashtag lit AF. And I'm getting buried for retweeting that. What did I say there that was bad? I'm encouraging people to participate. What? I mean, can you literally sense the sarcasm? If you could, good job, because the notion of that kid going on Twitter and promoting himself playing a video game online later in the week, 24 hours after you tie Cleveland, well, that's not focus. That is not focus. But, hey, he's a great kid. He has fun. He's lit. He can do whatever he wants. And add him to the list of people with A.B. and Lev Bell that you will never win with. I don't care about their numbers. I don't care about the occasional big play. I don't care about their touchdown dances. I don't care about their rap. I don't care about their helicopters. I don't care about their video games. I don't care about any of that crap. You won't win with them. And you know how I know? Because you haven't yet. You haven't yet. Time to talk to Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, your take on the James Conner performance, and do you agree with me that his fumble was the turning point in that game? I do. I think anybody who watched that game or saw the momentum swing after it happened would agree that that was the turning point in the game. Sure, the fumble afterwards by Ben uh, was big in the Browns' you know total comeback, but yeah, that changed everything. Uh, all they had to do was take it down, get a couple first downs. If they don't get a first down, they punt it deep. Defense, you know, probably holds them. Um, so, look, anything can happen, but if you're w- looking at one specific turnaround, unfortunately, that was it because everything else by him, Mark, was great. I mean, no, no question. Uh, the receiving, the pass blocking. Right. There was one uh, protection situation where he kind of whiffed and Ben got hit. But, you know, that you can't expect the perfect score on that duty when he said so little practice at it in the well game put. situation. Well put. But, uh, but, you know, he had a great game, but the fumble lost it. And that's not blaming him. That's not pointing fingers. That's not name-calling. But the fumble was just the turning point in the game. Yeah, um, all the things you talked about with the guests earlier in the show, you know, the way he hit the hole. Uh, sure, there were big holes there, Mark. When he got to the hole, he accelerated gone, right through it. Gone through it, and we talked about this last week. He doesn't come down with just one hit. The first person who touches James Conner rarely brings him down. He showed that yesterday. Um, all good signs for him, the pass catching. I thought that, like you just talked about right there, the pla- the pass blocking was much improved on his part. He seemed to know exactly where he had to be. He put effort into it. Um, good signs by number 30. Ben struggled mightily with the five turnovers. Do you think that's due to rustiness from not having played much in the regular season? Is it age? Is it just his, by now, semi-chronic, semi-bad start? Uh, <laughs> and he plays bad on the road. It's confusing because he's still one of the greats, but uh, he did not come close to showing it yesterday. Yeah, it is maddening about the difference between him at home and on the road. And I don't think it's age, Mark. Uh, to be totally honest, uh, he came into camp looking much better. So, um, you know, I think he's taking care of his body better now. I think it was just sometimes he does simply want to do too much. Sometimes he s- simply stays in the pocket and holds on to the ball He tried too to long. extend the plays too often yesterday, I yeah. thought. It's a good offensive line. They give him that opportunity, but sometimes you just take a little bit. I mean, it's, it's a second, a second and a half too much. Uh, that's a pretty good... Rush off the right side yesterday by Miles Garrett. Um, some other people, and even when you hold on to it, you know, like his fumble, uh, Gilbert 
he couldn't hold that block the entire time. He sent his guy deep. He looped all the way back around. Ben still had the ball. He reached the mid out there, knocked it out of his hands. Um, I did like the effort by Ben to get to the um, goal line and make that tackle. You know, to save that touchdown on the bell, the uh, bell fumble. Oh no, question, uh, not the bell, the Connor, the Connor fumble. fumble. How about two when he? Uh... When he went for a 15-yard gain and stiff-armed the guy right in the mush. Oh, yeah, and then he went down out of bounds trying to get the 15-yard penalty. There weren't Veteran too many Ben there. highlights, but, you know, I mean, Ben tried his damnedest. So did so did Connor. I mean, I'm not sure anybody didn't. No, exactly right. And you know what? As you go through the, the season this year, Mark, he'll figure out when that last second, that last second and a half or two seconds is too long, and he'll get rid of it. That was just a little bit of rust. I don't see age the problem. Y- you know what uh, I think happened yesterday as well? I think that the Steelers underestimated Cleveland, and rightly so, because they stink. And I think it reached a certain point in the game where they couldn't believe they weren't blowing them out, and they tried to do too much. Yeah, that's as fair. individuals. Yeah, I, I don't have, I can't argue that point. Um, the Browns did play better. The Browns are better. They're not great. They're not even good. But yesterday, in that slop and in certain opportunities, uh, they came up with good plays. I thought Al Villanueva did a decent job handling Miles Garrett, but he is going to get in there two, three, you know, four times. Maybe it's two sacks. Maybe there's three other hurries in there. He's going to cause a commotion back there. Um, they're not the same old Browns, but they still should have won that game yesterday. The Steelers, I'm saying. What's your take on TJ Watts day? Oh, my. Monstrous. I, I didn't think that the hit to the head was as bad as you did. I you, didn't know, you know think- what's funny? Funny you say that, because this last break, I watched it on so YouTube. Did, I watched it after you talked and, about and it And you know what? The guy fell funny, and it was almost, I don't want to say unintentional, but I'm not sure TJ could have avoided it. Well, the thing is... is he did hit him hard, though. He did hit him hard, and he came through that. Look, he was already launched by that time, and it looked like you're right. Tyrod Taylor did fall weird. He's going to have to hit him to bring him down. He was prepared for that. I don't know if he thought his head was going to be right there. It was a hard hit. Probably couldn't argue. Uh, well, obviously he got the flag. A lot of people thought it was for jumping on him afterwards. But once I think most people saw the hit to the head, they understood why the flag was thrown. Uh, weird story from a, an anonymous media guy in Pittsburgh said that Chris Boswell dodged the media after the game last night and dodged them again today at the facility. If you're going to talk to the media when you make the field goal, you better talk to them when you don't. Yeah, that's that's strange. I know that he was at the facility. I saw a bunch of tweets today from him just there by himself working on that 42-yard kick over and over and over and over again. Um, if you're going to get the gratitude, you know, you're going to get, you know, the good times when you, you win, you got to stick around and answer the call when you don't. So I, I Well, I, I, I especially, that. Bob, I especially hate that from the kicker. Because he's only the kicker. I bet that he's doesn't not a, happen again, though. He's not a real football player. He's only the kicker. Oh, I, I I wouldn't go that far. Oh, really? Yeah, because he wins. Look at how many how games many he won in the Hall of last Fame? year. Yeah, but that, that that's a different argument. You know why they're not in the Hall of Fame? Because they're not really football players. Well, what would their record be last year without Boswell making all those? I mean, How do you know somebody else wouldn't have? I don't, but he did. So that's part of the team. He didn't yesterday. Team's made up of players. He's scoring the points. But Somebody's he's not really scoring. a player. <laughs> Bob, did you ever go to Show World New York in your younger days? No. Only times I was up in New York were with uh, Hillgrove and Grote in the Big East tournaments, and I had something else to do with those guys. You don't think they went to Show World? 
Uh, if they did, they didn't invite me, and now I'm upset. How long ago was that when you uh, went? The last three years of the Big East tournament. So. Oh, Show World was already a shadow of its former self by then. Maybe they did, that's why they didn't waste their time. Maybe, maybe Mr. Grote back in the day. <laughs> maybe when, maybe when the, maybe like during the end of his major league career. I'm not going to argue that point. I could say, hey, the way he owned New York, I could absolutely see that happening. You know what's great about Mr. Grote is, and people don't really realize that here. Let's not forget, former National League batting champion, former National League MVP. I believe a two-time World Series winner, once with Pittsburgh, once with St. Louis. He was a much better basketball player. Yeah. Duke Hall of Fame, unbelievable. Like I have friends of mine who are Duke fans who are my age and they absolutely revere him. His numbers in the rafters, Donna Cameron Center. It's just that you couldn't make much money in the NBA back then compared to baseball, so he chose baseball. Yeah, um, it was a pretty incredible scene when they uh, put his number up in the rafters, the reception that he got down there at Duke, um, and from all over the place, not just Duke. I mean, a lot of the opponents and people who knew his history. But, boy, I'm just, you know, hey, I get to tell my kids that one night – I sat there and had a good time till the wee hours in the morning with Mr. Grote and Mr. Hillgrove, who, congratulations, 25th year of calling Steelers football this season. Yeah, congratulations to Bill. You're right. we got to get him on soon. The to Duke talk, of Garfield, to absolutely. The, the Midnight Mirror of Conneaut Lake. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> More a better accurately. nickname. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I've, I've been in the trenches with Bill a few times, and even one time with Mr. Grote, uh, he and I both spoke at the Shaler Baseball Smoker. This had to be in the 90s. I, me? Dick Grote and Greg Gattuso when he was coaching at Duquesne. Wow. Well, don't tweet any of those stories out, though, okay? There's there's a couple I for sure can. That's Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber. In just 30 seconds, I, I want your Steeler reaction. We can't get enough of that. Uh, it was mostly me and guests the first two hours, but I want your Steeler reaction now by dialing 412-333-WXDX. We're going to talk about Serena Williams making a jerk of herself at the U.S. Open. That's 30 seconds away on 105.9.